Hello, and welcome to the Trail Babblers podcast. We are Andy Quatch and Joe Caprero, the site editors at RipCityProject.com. And we decided that since we already spend a good portion of our days thinking and writing about the Blazers, that we would add an hour a week where we talked about them too. So we hope for Blazer fans and NBA fans and just people who enjoy listening to two grown men babble about childish things. We hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. I'm a little concerned, man. What's is it a is that a seasonal allergy thing or is that twelve months a year for you? Mm, I don't know. I've never had seasonal allergies before, but I heard that you can develop them as you get older. And plus, I'm living in a new state now. For the, I mean, it's been two years. I don't remember if I was like this last year. I wonder if our listeners think I do coke. <laughs> Andy's life. I'm sorry. Andy's much more pure of heart and deed. Uh, just so our listeners don't know that about him. Uh, it's not, would not be what I would suspect. Um, I, I'm, I'm more was concerned that your brains were leaking out through your nose, but no, I think we're good in that department. Cause it's been a while. You would think I'd be empty on brains if that's <laughs> what was happening. Texas was bad for like, I've, I've lived all over the country. So I kind of end up with, you know, aller- different allergies in different seasons, different places here. It's when it starts to rain in the, in the fall. But, yeah. um, but Texas and Austin, man, I was miserable. I couldn't breathe at all. And Austin in particular, I've heard from a lot of people, it gives them trouble. There's something about there's a bunch of different ecosystems that all come together in that, that little area. So I mm-hmm. could feel it though. Like, cause I, I was covering a lot of, uh, big 12, I guess it was big 10 at that point. No, it was big eight. No, it was big 12 at that point, but it had 12 teams. Now it has eight. I think now it has like five. Anyway, I was driving up and down I-35 a lot. And I could, at, like, when I got to kind of, when I got to, like, Waco, I could almost feel my sinuses open up again. And by the time I got to, like, Denton, I could actually breathe. And then the, just in the reverse, coming back, you know, you come back down, and then I could feel my head getting more and more congested as I got further and further down. Mm. Allergies suck. Uh, yeah I, if it's seasonal allergies for me then it's literally just the sniffles um i don't really get the headaches or like congestion or even coughing or anything like that i just wake up with like sometimes i have a snotty nose and but it's like an everlasting snotty nose like i'll blow my nose and two minutes later it'll be back so it's just unbelievably annoying i'm stunned your fiance hasn't thrown you out of the house yet she gets it too. So it might be because we <laughs> sleep with two fans on. Like we have an overhead fan and uh, just like a standing fan. One's mostly for like white noise. And then the other one's just to make it cooler in there. And I heard that since it's constantly blowing dust straight into your nostrils, it can lead to congestion. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it probably dries you out too, which maybe can't be good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my sleep hygiene has always been terrible. I I finally started using Breathe Right strips because I, I was pretty much convinced that I have sleep apnea and could use a CPAP, but there's no way I'm going to sleep with one of those things strapped to my head. So yeah. I just went and got a box of Breathe Right strips, and they seem to be doing the trick. Like my um, I have a I don't know if, I don't know if anybody 
uh, or any of our listeners to this show know that I'm diabetic, but I have a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. And now I can see, like, I can see my blood sugar spiking overnight, just like an hour after I fell asleep every night with no explanation. And once I started using the breather rights, that doesn't happen anymore. So I'd like to say that I'm getting better sleep, but I'm also 51 years old. So I get up about three or four times a night to pee anyway. So <laughs> there is no uninterrupted sleep for an old man. Anyhow, uh, what has been interrupted, welcome to the Trail Babblers, by the way. I'm Joe. He's Andy. Um, some pretty good series happening, at least on the East, Eastern Conference side. You want to start there? Yeah, we'll start there. Um, I guess we can start with Miami-Philly. Uh, Miami has yet to win a game since Joel Embiid returned. His He came back first in game three. Didn't really do that much, but did have a huge impact on the defensive end. Um, but his box score wasn't like crazy, but in the, the, in game four, he really started to make an impact on offense as well, as did James Harden, who's starting to look like his old self. So Miami could be in trouble there. Yeah. Harden was monstrous last night and, uh, you came on our other show on the sports plus show and you know, Matt's been a pretty harsh about Harden and, and Daryl too, as Daryl likes him as a player, doesn't, doesn't like what happened in Houston. Matt hates him in both in both directions, and that whole game, I just was, I just kept texting him, like, "You got to watch this. You got to watch this. The old, the old Harden's back, and he is, he was back last night. I mean, that was, he's at his best. He's one of the five most difficult to guard players in the league, and he was at his best last night, man." Yeah, if you're if you're a perimeter scorer who can get going against this Miami team, that's that's a testament to your greatness because they just have so much length and so many apt wing defenders. Um, what sucks for Miami is like, you know, you you would expect that if Jimmy Butler can play like a superstar, that they're pretty much like the favorites. But he's put up, he's been a monster this whole playoffs. But even with his offensive contributions, Miami just keeps getting down in the mud on offense there. They can't get anything going. Yeah. I mean, Butler and Adebayo were both great. And, you know, I don't, didn't have anything wrong with Lowry either. I just, I mean, Butler had 40 points in that game and he just got overshadowed by Harden's, you know, and part of that was because of Harden's struggles, you know, they, he didn't have a great fourth quarter in game two. You know, he was getting to the line, but he wasn't having a great series until game three-ish and particularly game four. But, yeah, he was – that was a joy to watch last night, man. When he's on, he's one of the most fun-to-watch players in the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, you have to be – because he's, he's done this for the past couple of years now. He'll have, like, a retro vintage game one out of like every six games the hope is that he's been like recovering from some weird nagging injury that's just kind of held him back and that this will be the one like his his arrival i guess as the old james harden again but it could just be another fluke game well it's also a guy who went to a strip club without a mask on so he could very well have had a secret case of covid that we don't really know about that he's recovering from too but i mean philly too they just look complete man Tobias Harris and Maxi and Danny Green, man, like Danny Green's rolled back back the clock about five years. Yeah. I just they they really look. You know, we always talk about fit versus talent. They may be as complete in both respects as Phoenix. 
I think I think they have a lack of depth there. I think Phoenix can get them with their depth. I think I think when everything's firing on all cylinders, then the 76ers do have an advantage in just top level talent. But I think Phoenix can kind of kill them in those few like eight to twelve minutes a game where it's not the starters. Yeah, that's the problem really with Philly is they don't go I mean they go six and a half deep, but I'm not supremely confident in any, in anyone else further down on their bench. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you there, but I, who's the best. So, all right, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, let's, even though it's two, two, I fully expect Phoenix to, to get past Dallas. And I, I still haven't seen anything that's going to, that's going to convince me that either of the other two teams you know, again, if Memphis can somehow get through Golden State, but that that either of those two teams are going to beat a healthy Phoenix team. So who from the East is the best potential challenger? I still, I'm still picking Miami to beat the Sixers in this series and ultimately make it to the finals. Um, I think their level of talent and depth would give Phoenix the biggest kind of challenge because as great as Chris Paul is, he's at this point in his career, he's probably equal to Jimmy Butler in the in terms of top end talent and ability to impact a single game. And then going down the roster, they're they're pretty much evenly matched. Um, I'd give the edge to Bam over Aiton, but I'd give the edge to Devin Booker over anybody else on Miami. And sure. then just in terms of depth, it's pretty much back and forth. Tyler Hero versus Michael Bridges, so on and so forth. Um, so I think that would be a very fun, very tactical series. If Miami can get their stuff together, watching their offense is just painful. It's <laughs> they run all these like snug pick and rolls on near the corners. It's like this, this looks like it's from the eighties. Well, at least they can shoot. At least they do kind of spread the floor a little bit. And, you know, like they, they can score from, from anywhere. I just love watching Adebayo play both ends of the floor. I, he's, he's turned into one of my 10 favorite players in the league. I think. Yeah. I think he needs to be more assertive. He, he has that body type where he can be like a very, very mobile big and even put the ball on the floor and take mismatches to the rack. But he, he doesn't really do that as much as like even Deandre, like looking at the two physical profiles, you would think Bam's the more mobile big, but Aiden plays more like it, at least on offense. That's another guy too who's emerged quite a bit this year. I mean, there were still a lot of question marks around him. I think a lot of the problem with Aiden, he's he moves so smoothly that I think sometimes it looks like he's not putting out an effort. But he, man, he's he seems to always be going in the right direction. And when I watch him sort of make decisions on the court, it always seems like he does the right thing. I he's somebody that if I had could make a run at hint, hint, I might try and make a run at, I, I just, he's so young and he's got so much talent and so much potential. You never know if, you know, Phoenix's owner, Robert Sarver, he's uh, infamously cheap and famous for making questionable basketball decisions. So Deandre Ayton will hit, I think restricted free agency this summer there is a chance that they don't match. Yeah. So he's got a qualifying offer of $16 million. Yeah. So he'll get a lot more than that. I don't know. I mean, you would, 
think that Phoenix plans to max him out, but you never know with their owner there. There, it, it is questionable that they haven't extended him already. They they opted not to give him the max extension earlier in the year. You think it's you think he's going to get a lot more than that? How much more than sixteen and a half million is he going to get? I think he'll get a max from somebody. If it's not Phoenix, it'll be. Wow, I thought centers. I, I thought centers weren't worth that much in the NBA anymore. I mean, take a look at you know Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Uh, you need someone to have that kind of lead impact on both ends of the court now. But is DeAndre Ayton? I love DeAndre Ayton. I don't think he's Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid. He no, sure definitely Joel, not. He sure, sure isn't Joel Embiid. You see what Embiid's done the last three yeah. weeks. But you got to remember, he's still young, like very young. And he's also playing, I guess you could look at it either way. He's playing in a guard heavy offense, but he's also playing with possibly the best pick and roll point guard in the history of the NBA. So his stats might be deflated or inflated, depending on how you look at him. Um, I think he'll get a max though. So let's jump back East. My last point just is even as hard as Miami struggled, it's mostly because they haven't been able to hit from outside. Their role players are not hitting open threes. So I would expect some kind of regression to the mean there, some positive regression. And even with Joel Embiid and James Harden going off, it was a pretty tight game. We probably won't see that many more 40 pieces from Jimmy Butler through the rest of the postseason, but I think Miami will be just fine. I, man, I still, Jimmy Butler, I feel like has plenty of energy and plenty more, you know, explosive scoring nights in him. I just, I, I wish, I don't know. I somehow wish they could do double or triple elimination in the East this, this year, because both these series are amazing, and I would watch 30 games of, of each of these. Yeah, me too. It's, it, the playoffs and as a whole have been a lot of fun and very tightly contested, and it speaks to the parity of the league. Yeah, even the series out West are, are you know tighter than I thought they would be at this point. But all right, so let's jump over to green versus green. What do you see coming out of Milwaukee, Boston? I think, I think Boston's pretty much dead in the water. Wow. Um, yeah, Giannis is just like undeniably the best player in the NBA right now, even with Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid doing what they do. Um, if you look on Twitter, like the Celtics fans are just in an upheaval crying about how they never call charges on Giannis. Um, I guess these fans didn't watch LeBron James play for the last 15 years. When you're that big and you're that athletic, you're probably not going to get charges. They, they're going to let you bowl some people over if you're not in position. Yeah, Shaquille O'Neal did it for 14 years, and that's, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. When you're that much stronger and, you know, he is, he is, you know, we just talked about Harden being one of the five most unguardable players. Giannis is probably number one, right? Yeah, like in, in transition, if he has a step, I mean, your best hope is to give him a jump shot and hope he misses it. It's basically the LeBron formula, like Miami Heat days LeBron before he got a reliable three-pointer. I feel like if I was trying to defend him, I would take the the Nat approach. And instead of trying to match somebody you know, with his size, I would put somebody who was smaller and quicker and could maybe pester his low, the lower two thirds of them. And you mean you know, like how, uh, how the Mavs had JJ Barea playing on him. 
in the 2011 finals. Just try and get the ball on the way up. I mean, the problem then is he's just going to, you know, he, he can, as we've seen, can bowl over players who are his size and that you, know, you got to have some kind of big man help coming. But I would, I would at least try that. I mean, if you're Boston, you've got, you just put Marcus Smart in his face for 48 minutes a game and, you know, he would probably just annoy him enough to earn a punch in the face maybe and maybe get a couple of tees and get him out of the game that way. But, I, you know, I feel like that's Boston's best chance is to take the pest approach. Yeah. Um, it's better than what they've been doing so far, which is trying to guard him almost straight up with Al Horford and Grant Williams. Like, Al Horford earned this reputation as being like a Giannis stopper, and he does a pretty good job slowing him down as good as anybody else could do, but like, you're just not going to beat him one-on-one. And I don't know. I would throw more traps at him. Um, the, the rest of the roster, the Bucks roster doesn't give me much confidence in their outside shooting or ability to create shots as great as Drew holiday is. He's, you know, he's never been that kind of offensive star. So without Chris Middleton, they, if you can get the ball out of Giannis's hands, you just have to pray that Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis miss enough threes. I think that's really your only formula for success. And if they're hitting threes, then you're, you're pretty much dead, but that's all you can do. Yeah, but how much do you really believe in the rest of that Bucks roster? I don't. I mean, like, it, it worked for the majority of game three. They were getting the ball out of Giannis's hands. Pat Connaughton was breaking threes. Um, but down the stretch, Giannis just found his spots and took over. Yeah, I mean, if a couple of those guys are clicking, they can, you know, they can contribute enough to to mean a difference in you know one game out of ten. But I don't really have a whole lot of confidence in their ability, you know, down the stretch of any game or the you know the ability to to make a win out of a loss, which you know they kind of remind me of the the LeBron Cavaliers. Yeah, you know, so which you know, the all the credit to Antetokounmpo, he won a friggin' title, you know, with that, you know, with basically this team last year. So, I just I like Boston too much, man. I their their two stars, their two stars are as hot as any, you know, pairing has been in recent memory, and I love Marcus Smart so much. Every player on their roster just plays the game that I love. You know, they're just smart and and tough and versatile and they can do lots of things and they make the the right decisions. And I was never the biggest Tatum fan, but I've even come around on that guy. So they're a fun and, you know, spunky roster. I think that their sweep of the nets had people like overrating them because people overrated the nets, me included. I thought the nets were going to pull that out in seven. Um, but uh, they all their problems from earlier in the year are still there. They they still need like a true point guard, someone who can actually run the offense instead of just relying on Tatum and Brown's abilities to command doubles and hopefully finding a wide open shooter. Um, yeah, I you know this is a good year to not have a dog in the fight because I feel like all eight teams that are left are just a lot of fun to root for and kind of for for somewhat different reasons too, but. I mean, you could make a case, you know, a positive karmic karmic case for any of the eight teams that are still left. You should be thankful that you're not as plugged in the NBA Twitter as I am, because literally every single fan base right now is just complaining about how the other team is the dirtiest team in the league. 
especially in that Warriors Grizzlies series. That is ridiculous. Yeah, well, we can. You want to talk a little bit about this about the uh, about the knee yank? I guess that's the big that's the big one right now, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was entirely incidental contact, like some people are saying. Like he just was trying to go for the ball. Like that looked purposeful. But I don't think he was trying to take him out. I think he was just trying to trip him up in that moment to get the ball. I don't think he was trying to tear his ACL, but I do think he was fouling him. I think it's really easy to make that judgment when you look at a single snap from a particular angle of it, something that happened in a billionth of a second. And I mean, I... Dude, I, I, as a photographer, I shot a lot of football and a lot of basketball. And you mm-hmm. catch some really weird things in the frame of your camera, and I, it's really hard to see without. And even you, you know, the same thing happens when you look at video in super duper, super duper slow mo, which we have now at eleven billion frames per second. I feel like in the moment, there's no way, like your brain doesn't work that fast. So if he was trying to do malice it would have been there would have been more to it than just that one you know one micro instant of his hands being in the right position to make it look bad i he i mean it things happen so fast he was reaching for where the ball was a 16th of a second before that and you know he just he wasn't and i feel like the the hand on the back actually makes me more likely to to give him the benefit of the doubt because I feel like he was probably f- falling forward and would have would have fallen into him if he had, if he didn't have that hand on his hip. So I I don't know. Again, like it's really hard to see. I'll have to watch it a million times at full speed to be able to, to have a real judgment of it. And that the angle that we have for that isn't really good. So what I want to see is full speed video from the angle where that photo was taken. Yeah, a photo that looks like he is trying to rip his his lower half in half. I saw it in real time. It wasn't like, you know, it, it wasn't like a murder charge or anything. But I definitely do think he was just trying to like grab his leg, trip him up to get the ball, and that is, I feel like, something you can think about in a split second. Like, oh, like we're scrapping for the ball real quick. I'm gonna pull it whatever I can, and it just happened to be a knee, which is like a weird, really weird spot to grab somebody. The reason I don't think it's incidental contact is like, you know, I didn't play like college basketball or anything, but I've played a lot of basketball in my life. And there's a lot of things that can happen incidentally in the flow of the game. You can catch an elbow to the eye, finger to the eye, things like that. But I can tell you, I have never accidentally grabbed a man's kneecap before, nor have I had anyone accidentally grab my kneecap. Haven't you ever, but you've never inadvertently whack somebody's body when you reach for the ball. I mean, that happens. That's, that's, that's every third foul that's called in the NBA. I just think he just happened to get caught in a weird spot where, you know, when he pulled his hand back, his knee was in the way. I mean, it sounds silly. It sounds like, Oh, why'd you, why'd your, why'd your nose get in the way of my fist? But it, you know, like it really, when it happened at, you know, when I, when I saw it from the center court angle, that's what I thought. I thought, you know, oh, he's reaching for the ball. and he, I didn't think he hooked his knee. I actually thought he hooked his, like, his shin a little bit lower. But yeah. I just think it was he just caught him in a weird spot. He It wasn't like when he raked his hand back, it wasn't like he was 
reaching extra deep. It wasn't like he was he had his hand curled extra far. It wasn't like he was bringing it back at a weird angle or at a weird pitch. He was just trying to get his hand back in into the frame of his body. And yeah, and his knee his knee happened to be in the way. I know it sounds dumb when I say it out loud, but it's what I saw. It's what I believe. Maybe. I just think kneecaps are pretty hard to grab, like overall, especially like a standing kneecap. Like, you know, it's not like a handle. <laughs> you can you usually just like slide right off it if you're not trying to grab it. So, what about the other? What about the other controversial fouls? How do we feel about those? Uh, Dylan Brooks diving into. I think it was Jordan Poole's legs on that loose ball. Uh, Gary Payton. Oh, Gary Payton. Yeah, he was. That was. That was just the worst play I've seen in basketball. <laughs> like, he should have been suspended for multiple games. Uh, but no, they they brought up a play from that same game where Jaws knee got injured, where it was a loose ball. It went like in between Bain's legs, and Jordan Poole was like in front of Bain, and Bain like dove oh, yeah, forward. Yeah. yeah. I was, I'm sure he wasn't trying to hurt him, but I'm sure he was trying to stop him from getting the ball. Same thing that I think with pool. It's like, it's not malicious, but it's a foul. Yeah. And that the, both those kind of suck. Cause I really, really, really like Dylan Brooks, as you know, and you know, he's an Oregon guy and it's just, it's always disappointing when somebody, you know, does something that's so obviously stupid and, and like there's, and that's where I, I see the difference in these two plays like the reach in the hook on the knees, totally different play from either of, of what Dylan Brooks did. Those were unnecessary, unnecessary and inexcusable. Yeah. Dylan Brooks is kind of a dick. I, I, I'm ashamed. I, I sucks. I got to agree with you. I mean, he really, and it, I think know, he's talented. I wanted the Blazers to trade for him before last season started, but he's definitely a dick. So at what point does this start to cost the player money and reputation, you know, reputation enough to matter? I don't, I think as long as you're talented enough, it never really matters. Grayson Allen was a pretty high profile free agency signing. Same with Patrick Beverly. Um, Marcus Smart just won defensive player of the year, despite garnering for four or five years now that he's, one of the dirtier defenders in the NBA. One of the one of the more nut tappier players in the NBA, yes. Yeah, you still see him kind of undercut people on their like jump shots, but it's honestly the best thing that can happen for you as a perimeter defender in the NBA is you work up a reputation for being really physical cuz then you kind of get to do it more and they don't want to throw you out because, you know, the NBA is already short on defensive-minded players. So, like, Patrick Beverly gets to be super handsy. Marcus Smart gets to be super handsy. And, yeah, I, I don't think it really matters. I mean, fans will hate you and until you come play for their team. I'm sure every Timberwolves fan hated Patrick Beverly's guts until he came there. Yeah, I was saying with Kevin Garnett, you know, everybody hated him until he came to play for you. Yeah, all right. I think that'll about do it for the trail babblers. What else you got? You don't want to talk about the West teams at all. Oh, fuck the West. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm the Mr. West coast bias out here. I just, I figure we had it covered with, with Phoenix and the other, you know, I we, come on. Do we really expect Memphis to beat golden state? No, come on. Especially I don't. After that, after I, that game three. Yeah. I think Phoenix should be more worried than a lot of people are right now. How worried are what, what's your what's your likelihood? Give me a, a one to a hundred likelihood 
of of Phoenix not making it to the conference finals? Uh, let's see. I'd say like a twenty five percent chance. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's not. When you get up to about forty, then then I'll call it worried. But I'm yeah. I'm, I'm about with you there. I think there's you know Dallas has a chance because they have Dodge. Yeah, they have the best player in the series, and that matters a lot. And they won their last game, even though he played like shit, basically. So that's that's worrisome. Yeah, and he's another one too. We talked about unguardable players. When he's on, when he's doing what he can do, there's just you just gotta sort of you know sit on your hands and hope it doesn't get too bad too quick. Okay, so we're gonna have a special edition for you next week. We're going to record live during the lottery so you can hear Andy's heartbreak in real time. Because I'm pretty sure that the only way he's gonna be happy would be if the Blazers get the one, number one pick and then somehow the Grizzlies are disqualified from the playoffs. So then they retroactively get awarded their lottery pick, which is then uh, pulled as number two. So Andy's not gonna be happy unless something impossible happens, but. I will be pleased if they just sit pat and they end up, you know, where they where they sit right now. But I know, I know, I know one guy, one host of the show will be massively disappointed if they don't land one of the top three picks. Am I wrong, Andy? Am I wrong? I'm willing to give you top four. If we get AJ Griffin, I'll be happy. So wherever AJ Griffin goes, he could go as low as six. So if we could get get to six. That'd be nice. Okay, you heard it here first, folks, and you'll hear it here again next week. So join us then. Thanks for listening. Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health, Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.